We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So Sarah, ESPN's Dan Orlovsky found himself on somewhat of an island on Monday as he got ganged up on by Shannon Sharp (laughs) and Stephen A. Smith throughout an entire first take segment on ESPN that debated this topic from Sunday. Was Lamar's performance concerning? Of course, of course that's the topic. And guess what? It resulted in Shannon taking the stance that he now can't trust a guy who Bobby, he referred to as his league MVP a mere week ago. We are keeping receipts this morning, if you (laughs) haven't already figured that out. I'm Bobby Trossett alongside my co-host and partner, Sarah Ellison. It is Tuesday, November 14th. Happy birthday, Tori Trossett. And this is your morning Ravens update from Inside the Vault, presented by our friends at Game Time. Well, everybody is talking about the Ravens' trend of fourth-quarter meltdowns, double-digit leads blown over the last, really, two-and-a-half seasons, and rightfully so. So we'll break down what we think is a common theme in each of those losses. Yeah, plus a significant update you're going to want to hear on Marlon Humphrey's calf. Calf, not Achilles. After he exited Sunday's game with a non-contact injury, as we talked about during our post-game live stream. Yep, we have all of that and more coming up. So thank you for waking up with the Morning Vault, where you get the most important Ravens news and, of course, our opinions in about 30 minutes. All right, Bobby. So listen, I was just minding my own business this morning, or I should say yesterday morning, and then you start firing it up on Twitter with some clips that you found on first take. You're keeping up with these guys. Take us into what you watched on Monday morning. Of well, course, listen, overreaction Monday morning. Listen, I hope people realize if it's not me, it's you. That's what we do. That's our <laughs> partnership, right? We understand that. Like, you know, if, if I'm not all, all over it, then you're going to be and vice versa. And I think that's the beauty of what we're building here. But yeah, overreaction Monday, we knew was going to be a thing given the severity of the loss, given the severity of the fourth quarter collapse. We've chronicled that in our post-game live stream. We'll get to those numbers in just a bit. But I wanted to begin with Shannon Sharp because, like you said in the open, Wishwashy has kind of been his calling card as an analyst for first take when it comes to commentating on Lamar Jackson, not just this year, 
but over the course of many years, and I know I speak for a good portion of the fan base that feels a little frustrated, a little disgruntled when it comes to Shannon's inconsistency. So that was on full display again when he was asked about Lamar's performance against the Cleveland Browns. Here he is. Well, I think what has happened, Molly, is that when they win games and Lamar doesn't play particularly well, you say, oh, but they win. Stephen A., how many times in your 25, 30-year career have you said, well, the guy did this, but they won, Stephen A.? Mike Shanahan told me you never accept anything in a win. You wouldn't in a loss. And we saw this in Pittsburgh. They go into the fourth quarter with a lead, and what happened? A pick and a fumble. Oh, Shannon, but the receivers dropped the ball. You see them go into the fourth quarter with a lead against Indy. They lose that ball game. They had a 14-point lead, a 97.1% chance of winning that ball game, and they gagged it off. Now, all of this isn't on Lamar. Because when you go into the fourth quarter with a lead, we had given this defense so much credit. Remember, they had been stifling. They were number one against uh, points uh, uh, allowed per game. And then you allow the Cleveland Browns to come back. And Deshaun Watson was 14 of 14 in the second half. Yeah, That's unacceptable. But what you cannot do is turn the ball over. I'm going to turn it over to you, Dio and Stephen A., but I want to read you something. Go ahead. Do you realize that Lamar Jackson has thrown just as many touchdowns as uh, Mac Jones? He and Mac Jones have thrown the same number of touchdowns. Lamar Jackson has fumbled the ball ten times. He's lost five. Do you realize Lamar Jackson has as many uh, uh, turnovers as touchdown passes? But see, when we call that stuff out, uh, 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 Stephen A., oh, y'all hating. Y'all want the narrative. Y'all trying to bring a brother down. See, I don't do conjecture. I don't do innuendo, and I don't do speculation. Those are facts. You can go look them up at your choosing. But Lamar Jackson has been up and down, and it's been masked because they're winning. Now that, they're not, now that they didn't win and you see what has happened, it's hard for me to trust them. It is hard for me to trust Lamar. It's hard for me to trust this team. Dan Orlovsky's face says it all, but uh, I want you to take the first crack at it. What do you got? Uh, well, I... <laughs> First of all, let me say this. Lamar Jackson, as I said after the game, certainly did not have his best game in Cleveland. Um, He was part of the reason why the Ravens didn't win, for sure. We can't um, take that away. So uh, that being said, this this herky-jerky, double-minded, it's just constantly double-minded. It's like what Stephen A. does when he's like, the list is fluid, the list is fluid. Okay, okay. Well, that to me just sounds like you're double-minded that you're going to go with with every wind that blows any which way. And so I don't remember. Uh, so so I know I said it. We, we The only part that's scripted in the show, we have an outline. The only part that's scripted is our opening to kind of give everybody what we're talking about. I don't remember Shannon saying that he was his MVP or I missed it. You that's oh. for sure, right? Oh, oh, we got receipts on that. That was six okay. days ago. Six days ago. Okay. <laughs> okay. I trust you on that. So uh yeah, so to go from MVP, it's like it's so it really is so agenda driven. Like again, yes, Lamar had a bad game. Yes, Lamar helped cause that that collapse, as did the defense who couldn't get a stop and you know, all the stuff that we talked about. The offensive about. line, everything. The offensive line, all of it. We're going to get into all of that. And so this is not saying Lamar had nothing to do with it, but taking a bad game from Lamar and then suddenly this bad game goes from you're my MVP to now I'm going to have a segment about is it concerning? Then then he gets into saying, he's like, I only deal in facts. I only deal in facts. 
okay, well, yeah, you you picked out some facts, all right, but you sure did ch- cherry pick them. For example, for example, he he compares Lamar's turnovers, which is fumbles and interceptions, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes fumbles can happen when running, right? So if you're going to combine, usually when you do qu- quarterback statistics, which I don't always agree with, people just take passing touchdowns to interceptions because both are passing statistics. What he does is take the fumbles and the interceptions, combines them into his turnover stat, but then only takes his touchdown passes, doesn't take his touchdown rushes. So 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 that's why people think, Shannon, that maybe there's an agenda there. You can I mean that's exactly what Eric Mangini did last week, right? Yeah. Like, do, don't include the full scope of what Lamar's right. been able to do as a point guard this year under Todd Munkin. Right. So let's just take the combined of what he does bad, but only half of the production that he makes that's good. So there's that. Then there's, which I know we're going to have a rebuttal from, from, from Orlovsky, but like, okay, so if this is concerning his turnovers – what about, let me, I would love to know if Shannon is also concerned about Josh Allen, who has the same number of turnovers as Lamar. What about Jalen Hurts, who has the same number of, of turnovers? What about Patrick Mahomes, who only has one less? One less. And by the way, way more interceptions. And so now there's probably context, context for all of these guys and these, and these turnovers, but, and maybe I'm missing it. Did they have a segment? About is Josh Allen concerning? Is Jalen Hurts concerning? Is is Patrick Mahomes concerning? Uh, I don't know because they all have about the same number of turnovers. So that's why it feels to some that it's agenda driven. To me, it feels like to me all it does is feel like uh, this is what we do in in national media. Like we take we make big statements. That's what we do. So, uh, but 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 he can say he's got facts, but he's definitely cherry picking them. The Mac Jones comment has me still tripping. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Mac Jones, he, he says, can you believe that these two have the same amount of touchdowns, passing touchdowns? It's just contextless blanket statements. Come right, on. Because Lamar has five rushing touchdowns too. It, and Mac that, Jones has, has much more pass attempts than Lamar. He's also got a lower completion percentage. I mean, we can go on and on and on. That and and what are the quarterback who what teams are they quarterbacking for? One that is quite literally flying back from Frankfurt, Germany right now, miserable because their season's over. Right. Right? Before it's even begun. Well, yeah. we're in the second half now. But but clearly New England is at a point where a rebuild could be coming. Who knows what, what Bill Belichick's future is going to be? And you got another team that, yeah. Pretty disappointing loss. A collapse that we'll get to that's become all too familiar over yeah. the last few years. But one that is still in the driver's seat in the AFC North entering week 11. The most well-balanced, competitive division in all the league. It's just those types of statements, I think, are what really is frustrating this fan base about a guy who I think a lot of us have a lot of immense respect for. A pro yeah. Hall of Famer. Somebody who's an entertainer. Club Shay Shay is hilarious. Yeah. For whatever reason, when he gets into those ESPN airways, boy, I just have a hard time following. I really do. Dan Orlovsky does as well. Okay. He is somebody who has been the most level headed you can possibly be, not only about Lamar and the Ravens, but just league wide. I really think it's it's a matter of when, Sarah, not if, when he's gonna be in 
a major, major primetime analyst chair for big-time NFL football. And I can't wait. I think the, I think the world's going to be better for it football-wise, football fans-wise, because I think he's he's got such a great way about him and, and the way that he explains the game of football, which is so complex in layman's terms, is one of his greatest traits. But here he is, like you said, the rebuttal to Shannon. But it evolves around him, does it not? Yeah. We can't. We can't constantly do this, though. But we are going to do it because at the end of the day, when it comes to the postseason, that's what you're going to ask yourself. You're going to sit up there with your clipboard, looking at the big screen, and you're going to talk about what he needs to do, even if you notice a bunch of, of deficiencies on the offensive side of the ball for Baltimore. You're going to point to what he needs to do in order to negate those things to win. You're going to do that, Dan. But, Stephen, last week, Lamar's leading the league in completion percentage. He's leading the league in yards rushed by a quarterback. And now we're concerned. Like, you're telling me right now, late in games, in in, in the playoffs, you're going to be concerned about can Lamar get it done or not? In the playoffs? Absolutely. Yes. Because, you know what? Since the start of last season, the Ravens have blown seven four-quarter leads. That's the most. So absolutely, I'm going to be concerned. So since you're not concerned, why are you concerned rated with the turnovers? He has my turnovers and 10 touchdown passes. So what's your concern rate when it comes to the turnovers? I don't look at turnovers just as like a black and white thing, Shannon. I look at that inter- one of those interceptions, like he throws two. I sit there and I say, one's bad. That turnover, the fumbles, I think four or five of them were in that torrential round port, downpour game in both the Pittsburgh and the Colts game. So, like, they're cotton. For me, it's always about context. I don't have massive turnover concerns about Lamar Jackson. I don't, like, here's my, my pushback to this. Do we have them about Joe Burrow? Excuse me. Do we have him about Joe Burrow? Because what Joe did yesterday, two of the most uncharacteristic turnovers that Joe yeah. Burrow's had in his NFL career, yeah. I don't have concerns about that. I don't think that's that's who he is or what's going to be a storyline this year. <laughs> so, in all fairness, I really do think it seemed as if it was genuinely not heard by Shannon there, but I saw some people <laughs> online that were like, did you see that? Crickets could be heard there in the background. <laughs> it was yeah, pretty I'd- funny. I did wonder if there was like an because they're clearly not in the studio together. That was hilarious. So. I think he's out in LA and Shannon's in or um and, and Dan's in, in Bristol. But so clearly you see what I mean by that in terms of being on an island? I mean, Dan was on a complete yeah, yeah, yeah. island there. And I thought for a second, maybe these guys just have a better relationship than this. But for a second there in the beginning, Steve Stephen A was a little bit demeaning towards Dan Orlovsky, I thought based on his tone. His Where? overall, just just the way that he was talking about the clipboard and things of that nature. Perhaps that's just uh, good banter, good locker room talk that they have a good yeah. relationship away from uh, away from the TV. But to me, Sarah, the mic drop moment was this quote: "I don't look at turnovers as a black and white thing, Shannon. For me, it's always about context, and that's mm-hmm. what we've tried to do consistently throughout the existence of our show." Lamar's fumbles have been a problem. Does that mean all 10 of them have been on him? Absolutely not. Right? Does that well, mean all five lost? Let's like there's fumbles and then there's fumbles lost. He's lost yes. five. Yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. But keep going. Yeah. Yes. So so I just thought Dan did a good job of explaining why he is so level-headed when Shannon takes these stats and sort of again makes these blanket statements. Every single turnover comes with content. There is context with every single turnover, with every single play in the NFL. 
and I just think that sometimes these guys, when they get on their high horse, can forget about that when they make these big time statements with very little context. Well, and then with the context, that's why I brought this up. So this this um, screen grab um, shows what, what I definitely saw live on the video, which is that when Lamar had the pick six, so we didn't get this part of the clip, but he, Dan Orlowski called this pick six a BBB, right? Bad, bad break, bro. Was that what it stood, stood for? Nothing you, you can do about saying? it. Yep. Yeah, nothing you can do about it because um, – yeah, Dan, who's obviously a former quarterback, not not as successful as Lamar or most quarterbacks, of course, but certainly, in my view, a better analyst than than, than what he did on the field. But still, an NFL quarterback, like he he got there. You know what I mean? Like an holds NFL a quarterback holds a bunch of school records at UConn too, for what it's worth. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, obviously, could play the play the game, but uh, it's like he's looking at it from a quarterback perspective, being like BBB, you know, bad break, bro. There's nothing you can do about this, and. <laughs> This is what happened is, is this pick six happened when look what happened to McCarry. And I'm not, I'm not trying to like down or like throw McCarry under the bus because he's filled in admirably all over the offensive line. Like I, like I, you know, as a whole, McCarry has been fantastic left, left tackle. He's probably going to go back to left tackle this week, by the way. I mean, there's a good chance of that, that Morgan Moses. So, I mean, he goes left tackle, right tackle center, where, wherever you need him. He, he fills in and he fills in admirably. So, I'm not trying to make him out to be like the worst offensive lineman in the world here, but he fell, he fell. And then Jordan uh, jumped up and he batted the ball. And it's, it's just one of those bad breaks where it gets batted way high up and, and uh, Newsom's able to return it for that pick six. So, um, so yeah, context matters is to, to his point. Like how, how do you say, Oh, now I'm concerned about Lamar with that. Now, with the other one to Bateman earlier, which I, I can't remember what quarter it was. I feel like it was in the first half. That one, Lamar should have said, I underthrew it. I didn't put enough velocity. Okay, that one you put on Lamar. And so, but but like just to, to look at the stat line or to look at the highlights and say, oh, two turnovers. Yeah, I'm concerned about Lamar. Um, I, I just think is too overly simplified. Yeah. You know what's what's not that simple but I think you did a decent job of trying to simplify it is what's become a disturbing trend. Mm -hmm. And that is these blown leads that have not just been a problem in all three losses so far through 10 weeks this year, but dating back to all the way in 2021, Sarah, this is a theme. This is a trend that's plaguing Baltimore. So this year in all three losses, they've blew leads. And mm -hmm. two of those have been double-digit leads, including yep. yesterday, 31-17, to 17, as we already documented in the fourth quarter. Collapse. Number of reasons other factors went into that collapse, but it was a collapse. Since 2022, as you pointed out, six losses have come with a double-digit lead. That's the most in the NFL. Since the 2021 season, nine losses have come with a seven-plus point fourth quarter lead. That's also most in the NFL. At some point here, you you start what's the opposite of a of a trend? It's become a trend. But an anomaly? One, right. You think it's maybe yeah. an outlier. But then mm -hmm. at some point, trend and T with a, ca a capital T and trend ends up becoming the conversation. And unfortunately, that's where we're at right now. I don't think it's unfair 
to call this a trend based on what you've displayed on the screen right now? Yes. Yeah, I think that's fair. And um, we'll break it down. But first, John Harbaugh was asked about this trend. And here was his answer. If we had finished strong in every game, we'd be undefeated, which is what we'd like to be right now. But we're not. So uh, those three games where we didn't finish where we needed to, we lost. Uh, so that's kind of what we're working on right now, certainly. Looking at the details, you know, like you said, within it, this, that, whatever the, the detail might be. That's part of the process. I mean, this thing is a journey. You know, it's never, you're never set. I think we like to look at it and say, okay, this is what they are, this is what they are, and this is what they're going to be all year. It's like, no, every team is forging kind of the season as they go, and things happen. You get game plan, you don't play things great, you play things great, plays come up, plays get made, plays don't get made. It's the, it's, to me, it's the, it's the, uh, it's the, it's the miracle of the National Football League. You know, that's why everybody watches it. It's so exciting. So we just know what we got to work on right now uh, to get better. And that's what we're working on. Okay, Bobby, I can tell you that was an unsatisfactory answer to uh, most Ravens fans, at least on Twitter, when I had transcribed and, and put out um, a portion of that, of that answer, which uh, is understandable because he wasn't getting into the details and he wasn't pinpointing what the problem was. He recognized it was a problem. Uh, and then he tried to say, but this doesn't have to be us. And I think that bothered people too, because again, here I've got this trend that we obviously see that goes beyond this season. And so it's like people want to want him to accept, no, this is you. I don't think you should accept it. I don't think anybody in that locker room should accept it. I think everybody should say, this is not us. This is not us. Because as soon as you start to believe that, how are you supposed to correct it? You have to, like, that's the way, that's the only way I think mentally going forward is you can say this is not us while simultaneously trying to address what's making you not what you believe is not you. Right. But it sure. clearly has been them for, for, for three seasons. So Bobby, ever since I tweeted this, I have nonstop in my mentions. I mean, cannot tell you hun like hundreds of comments, right? The vast majority of them say something to the effect of, well, who's the one common denominator that's been here through the whole time. Right. And so, sorry, I'm going to pull this back up and go to this slide because everybody wanted to say it's all because of John Harbaugh. It's, it's him. It's him. It's him. He certainly, certainly cannot be taken out of the equation. He's the head coach. So he's got to get it figured out 1,000%. That being said, this is not who Harbaugh is either, as ESPN pointed out, from 2008 to 2021. So those stats that you went through, Bobby, with all those you know, double digit losses, those fourth quarter meltdowns yep. that was dating back since 2021. Well, what happened before 2021? All right. 20, 2008 to 2021. John, the Ravens were 79 and zero undefeated when they had a 14 point lead in the second half, anywhere in the second half. Okay. Wow. So yeah, that's a large sample size. And by the way, yet. And by the way, remember Ray Lewis, Ed Reed, all those Hall of Famers, they retired in 2012, you know, or after that 2000, because basically after that 2011, no, 2012 and then 2013, okay? So that's a lot of years when you don't have your Hall of Famers. That's a lot of years with the Joe Flacco era where you're holding on to your leads. That's what, you know, at the bare minimum, that's what the Ravens were known for. Um, so again, this is still John Harbaugh's team over the last three years. And he is at the head of all this. And of course, rightfully so fingers are pointed at him, but 
that's why I think it, 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 that's why it's, we can't say it's always been him. In fact, for the vast majority of him being the coach, it's not been him. Okay. Yeah. So Bobby, what I did, I put in too much time thinking about this today. Okay. <laughs> so what I did is I went in to, I didn't go all the way back to the 21, 2021 season. I couldn't go back three seasons. It's a lot. So I looked at all of the games that we have listed here, the three losses from this year, and then the six double-digit leads from the 2022 season. And I went digging. I'm like, can I find a common theme? What, what could it be? First of all, I'll say this. Going into Dan Orlovsky's point, context, context, context. If you really go do what I just did today and check out all, let me see, nine of those games, uh, if you looked into it, you'd see that there's a different reason for every single one. Yes. Now, there is one, the only thread I could come up with, and it will not be surprising because let me ask you this, Bobby. Take the Ravens out of it. Take the Lamar out of it. Take Harbaugh out of it. Take everybody out of it and just have Team X. This is like a generic Team X. If I told you that Team X blew six double-digit leads, what would be your first one or two guesses of what happened? Crunch time turnovers. Turnovers. That was the biggest, that was the biggest uh, connecting theme I could see. Yeah. By far. There were, there were critical, critical turnovers, like you said, in crunch time. Some of them Lamar's fault. A lot of them not Lamar's fault. Some of them... A running back, some of them, I mean, uh, a blocked field goal, stuff like that. Like, it was like that was the only theme. Now, if I were going to prioritize it, if there was the next second most theme, what would your guess be? For team, generic team X, critical turnovers, what's another thing that could happen? Critical turnovers, defensive collapses. Boom. That was the second biggest theme I saw. I, Miami's probably the best one where they gave up like 500 yards. Oh, we'll that was probably the biggest game. one. Right? We will never forget that game. We will never forget that game. And that happened again when, with Cleveland too, right? There were, there were critical turnovers, but there were also defensive kind of meltdowns, just letting teams have these long drives. The third thing I would say, just to like, because I was really searching for it because I know people want me to, the third thing I could say is, is is some coaching decisions, but not the kind that I expected. Because I even Bobby, I want to check my blind spots. I reached out to people who do not want to see John Harbaugh as the coach anymore, and I said, "Give me your best argument. Give me the best. the best one I got is that he was too conservative." Okay, and that maybe that does happen, but in these losses, that was not the case. In fact, you could say if there were if there was in that theme of why they lost in those double digit leads. It was because Harba decided to go for it on fourth down yes. and it didn't work out. The so Buffalo it was actually game comes to mind. Yep. Buffalo and again, Dolphins that happened in the Dolphins, they went for it twice on fourth and one. Yep. So um, so it happened there. And then I will say one where I would say coaching came into it, but certainly wasn't the only thing, was the the Colts game from this year. I would say clock management where they clock didn't management. tell Zay Flowers not yep. to like Right, but there was also turnovers in that one, uh, bad snaps and a missed field goal. So, but I still, but I was looking for the coaching stuff, and I would say, again, turnovers showed up the most, then defensive collapses, and then 
Harbaugh being too aggressive, which he has not done this season. That was from seasons past. So I was trying, I'm trying, I was, I'm trying to be put in as much context, be as objective as I can. That was the only theme I found. If somebody else wants to go in and look at all of those games and come up with another, another theme, I'm wide open ears, but that's what I found. Yeah. So the top two really owning the majority of, of the stake right there. Right. And then the, the clock management is such a small percentage in the grand picture of things just over the last two seasons, which is a nine-game sample size, correct? Correct, correct. Okay. Yep. All right. This stat is insane, okay? Good morning, football. <laughs> Put this out, NFL Network. The least time trailing is what this charts. First 10 games of the season, last 40 seasons, okay? The 84 Dolphins are on here. The 98 Broncos, the 90 Giants, 07 Patriots, all dominant teams. The one outlier here is the Ravens in the sense that look at their record through 10 weeks compared to the other four teams that I just mentioned. They're the only ones that aren't unbeaten on this list. And that right there is telling. It's been a dominant year, but the record doesn't necessarily tell that, Sarah. It does not. And it it just feeds into more of our theme. They, they have got to figure out not to give up these leads. And in my view, it's no matter what, don't turn the ball over. No matter, stay strong through all four quarters. And by the way, when you turn the ball over, you are putting the defense in a bad spot. Like they're on the field more, but still, uh, sometimes it's just a defensive collapse. And then the third thing is, is make sure, and this is from the coaches, you got to have a feel for the game. You got to have a feel for the game. So you got to know if your team can really make it on fourth down. You got to know that your rookie, you got to call a timeout and tell your rookie not to do, you know, not a timeout. That's not the right thing because they were trying to get the clock to go down. But get the message out to your rookie that, that you, you know, there can't be these small little mishaps. But that to me is it. But the biggest thing, no matter what, do not turn the ball over. And that's kind of the Steelers recipe, right? It's like mistake free, stay around long enough, don't make mistakes, for, let, Stick around long enough for somebody else to make a mistake. Now the Ravens, they they they're the opposite of that. Just don't, just keep doing what you're doing. Start out strong, but don't but play mistake free fourth quarters. And I I think a lot of these fourth quarter meltdowns will go away. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You talk about the feel of the game. I think it's a perfect segue to what John Harbaugh was asked about during his Monday press conference, and that was why they got away from Keaton Mitchell in the second half, right? Just one touch, three total snaps. We all know that when he touches the football, when he's out there, when he's involved, good things tend to happen. RG3 was right. He has proven to be a home run hitter. Yes, albeit it's a small sample size. But he has proven that the moment's not too big for him. But as John Harbaugh mentioned, perhaps the workload and the scheme and things of that nature as an undrafted rookie came into play in terms of what Todd Munkin's ultimate decision was for usage. Keaton Mitchell in the second half. Here's Harps. Wasn't on the field a whole lot in the second half. It's a very good question. I think it's you know something that's probably, you know, as you look back on it, part of the process of getting a young guy in there, you know, kind of working him into the game plan as part of the process as we go. You know, I don't think we felt probably as an offensive coaching staff we we're going to throw the whole game plan on them. And then those are kind of the plays that got called from the groupings that got called in the second half. Looking back on it, would we have wanted them out there more? Yeah, and I think that will factor into this, this game plan. The way it got called, those plays weren't the ones that he was kind of scheduled for, you know. So uh, and you look at, I look, I'll add Mark, you know. I mean, he got two passes in the game. Is that what we want? Absolutely not. You know, you want to – the ball goes where it goes sometimes, but we want the ball to go to Mark. So – I think that's also part of the kind of the dynamic as the season goes along, trying to work through those things. Sarah, while I appreciate the honesty and, and him being very transparent there, right, and, and holding himself, really, I mean, the whole game plan and accountable and even throwing in Mark there, I just have a hard time accepting it. And I think a lot of the, the fan base feels the same way. What was your immediate reaction when you heard that? Uh, just let me dig in a little bit further. What do you – what? what did you not accept? Like, I guess here's my question. Do you feel like he's not telling the truth or you just don't like that he did that, that they didn't give him the game plan or the full game plan? I actually do try. I do believe him. I do oh, okay. believe him okay. in that sense. I just, I don't think okay. it's that satisfactory. I just, like. It's, you're saying it's unacceptable that yeah. it happened in the first place. Gotcha. Straight gotcha, up. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Straight yeah. up. I mean, and, and, and again, I, while also acknowledging that I appreciate the honesty. Yeah, but yeah, also yeah. holding yeah. him accountable like he was trying to do for himself. Yeah. And this this is a guy who deserves to be in there. We were told less than a week ago that he has earned the right to be involved. Yeah. That was not the case. Right. Yeah, no, it sounds like they like were like, okay, let's because again, we're what this was his second game, really. I mean, he had one earlier where they were kind of like before he had the tinkering. hamstring, I think. Yeah. yeah, tinkering and letting him, you know, kind of be more of a gadget guy. And then he got hurt, and now he's back. And so I guess what they're saying is, like, we just didn't want him to, like, feed him from the fire hose, you know? <clears throat> Whereas, like, somebody like Zay Flowers, you knew from the beginning you were going to – like, he, you had you had rookie minute camp and you had training camp and all that, and you knew that you were going to put him so he could learn the, the, the whole playbook, right? And maybe they just – I don't know. I don't know, but I agree with you. I, I do feel like it's it's unacceptable. It just felt crazy to me that he disappeared. So he says it's going to change in this game plan. Put more on his plate. Let's see it. That'll be great because I yeah. think he'll do. I think he'll do big things. <laughs> what else do we have to believe? The guy has right. been 
utterly dominant and productive. Before we get to the injury updates, this episode is brought to you by our friends at Game Time, the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. And speaking from personal experience, I've used this app for a while now. I actually just used it for my brother TJ and his girlfriend Georgia who came to town for the Browns game. They are in attendance, and we literally booked tickets for them 30 minutes before the game. That's the beauty. It's a last-minute feature that Game Time provides you. It gives you complete views of your seats. There's always flash deals popping up, so it's perfect for my schedule, for sure. That's constantly changing. As a mother of four, you can appreciate that as well, Sarah. We've had our fair share of frustrating ticket-buying experiences in the past, but Game Time runs such a smooth and convenient operation, we have nothing negative to say. Game Time is the only ticketing app that gives you complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see the view from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. All-in prices show your total up front, so you know you're getting a great deal without hidden fees. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. You can download the app today, create an account, and if you use code RAVENSVAULT, that's RAVENSVAULT, you'll get $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account and redeem code RAVENSVAULT for $20 off. Thanks to Game Time for believing in what we're building here in Baltimore. A sigh of relief collectively was had around, I was actually live doing my lunch hour live stream when Ian Rappaport tweeted out Marlon Humphrey's news. He suffered a lower calf strain, not an Achilles strain as some suggested online. That's obviously good news. He's considered day-to-day. It's a short week. Thursday night since he come into town, his status is up in the air. And then you see his tweet there at the top as well. Tough loss. On the positive, we're back at the bank Thursday night. That's Marlon Humphrey. Let's get to the clip, Sarah, that Pro Football Talk, at Pro Football Doc on Twitter, tweeted out. Because this was the non-contact injury that forced Marlon out of the game. And you're thinking to yourself, wow, we've seen a lot of Achilles setbacks this year, most notably with Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins. And it looked awfully similar So, yeah, a huge sigh of relief that this looks to be relatively minor in the grand scheme of things for number 44. That's that's great. And then, obviously, the Stanley one, same same person, pro football doc, went into where he got rolled up on on this play, so getting pushed back, and then, oof, just defensive lineman. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's nasty in the trenches, man. It's it's crazy. So John Harbaugh was asked about both of his um, really all all pro players, and here's what he said on the injury front. Long term, not long term. I'd say day to day. Hopefully, we'll get him to Thursday. There's a, there's a chance, and we'll see where we're at. Yeah. Okay. I I have a hard time thinking that they'll actually be playing, but um, I, the good news is that it's not long term, and. I know most people don't like to trust Harbaugh on that, but uh, he's been somewhat uh, whatever. It's more that Ian Rappaport, you know, tweeted it that I I feel like he's been more on. So, uh, and the fact that no nobody in the national media has reported that Stanley's like a long term thing that also makes me trust Harbaugh a little bit more. There, he was also asked. Got lots of questions about this, especially on Twitter. Marcus Williams, he's playing with that brace kind of on his arm and and peg. Uh, clear to me that he does not want to tackle. Uh, he was John Harbaugh was asked, "Is is Marcus Williams a liability out there with that brace?" Here's what Harbaugh had to say. Well, I think it's going to keep getting better as he gets more comfortable. You know, he's got uh, 
some limitation there with kind of the, the, the protection he's got on it right now, but as, as it gets stronger and it's getting stronger, he'll need less of that and give him a little more range of motion. So uh, I think he's going to be just fine. Uh, he's moving around good, so he's a big part of what we're doing. Look, I have a hard time believing that, Sarah. I got to be honest with you. I love and admire and appreciate the fire and the competitor uh, and, and how much toughness that Marcus Williams has exuded dealing with this pectoral setback, which we knew at one point we were we were told to believe that a surgery would be required or or, or that a, a shutdown would be required, right? And that's not what ended up happening. Now, I don't know if we were told that per se. You know what I'm getting at, though? We, we There was suggestions that his season could be over initially, right, by reports. Yeah, I just don't think it was came from the Ravens that said Not that. internally, right, not internally. Yeah, yeah, there, yeah. There, there, there were concerns, there was fear that Marcus yeah. Williams' season was over. So with that yeah. in mind, and watching him over the last couple of weeks, it's – or I'm sorry, he just, he just returned. But, but in seeing, his few returns, he's returned a few times. He had. Yeah. I was going to say, mm -hmm. the most yeah. recent return was Sunday against <laughs> Cleveland. And again, I want to be so clear. I really respect his toughness and his heart and his want to. Mm. But it just felt like, like we've already seen this year, he is not physically – a hundred percent and and not anywhere close to the point where I feel like it opens up the conversation, like the reporter said, the mm -hmm. liability label. Uh, from my eyes, uh, and again, I haven't watched the all 22 on this one, and I'm not going to uh, this week because we got the Bengals in two days. Too so much. we're like, yeah, we're moving forward. Uh, to me, with my eyes, he looked like a liability tackle-wise. Now, if Harbaugh is saying it's more because of the brace and maybe he can keep getting better and looser braces, maybe that's what will give him more range of motion. I don't, I don't know. But with the current brace and the way he was looking, he did look like a liability to me. All right, real quick in terms of – got to really wrap up here. In terms of injuries, um, so the Ravens injury report was more a um, – Walkthroughs. So it was an yeah. It was more an estimation than an actual practice. But Marlon and and Stanley did not practice. Neither did Trenton Simpson, who left the game Sunday with a concussion. Morgan Moses with that shoulder. He was a full participant, which is excellent news because if Stanley can't go, McCarry's going to have to move back over to left tackle, and then you would want uh, Morgan Moses out there on, on at right tackle. Uh, Kyle Vinoy with his growing was limited and then Worley hamstring limited. Now, Cincinnati, I'm not going to go through this whole list, but they're not healthy. Um, Ben baby from ESPN said that defensive end Trey Hendrickson, kind of a big deal is day to day with his knee, according to coach Zach Taylor. So we'll see on that. And then Adam Schefter tweeted that, um, it's considered unlikely that Bengals wide receiver T Higgins will be able to return from his hamstring injury per a source for this Thursday. So those could be two big losses. Um, and what about, is Chase on here? No, Jamar Chase. No, Jamar Chase. So he seems to be healthy. He's clear. Yep, he's okay. clear. Um, right. and, and I'll just add to that that we have Jay Morrison booked for later this afternoon. Yep. So, so for your drive time commute on Tuesday, today, you will have a an official game preview a little bit earlier than usual, obviously, being that it's Thursday night football with the Athletics Jay Morrison. So Jeff Zarebek's counterpart in Cincinnati. So we'll get a good feel for where the Bengals are at right now through him. 
All right, a couple quick hits, and I'm going to skip what I had here with Baldy. Uh, just ready to move on. But Ravens against Bengals prime time. Of course, it's the blackout. It's the black on black threads. Run it Bobby, up. The, they they clearly did a special photo shoot. Uh, the Ravens media team clearly with PQ and Roquan, and this to me is awesome. I like the darkness. Look at I mean Roquan and PQ screaming like. They did a special shoot with these with these, you know, uniform black on black. I love the blackouts. I love it. Uh, really looking forward to Thursday night. And then finally, just you know, some Instagram. No panic. No panic. No, the, no panic inside the locker room, which is the way it should be, and it's the opposite of what the fans are doing, which is I'm sure true of every fan base. But Patrick <laughs> Queen, his IG puts up a photo and, and captions it. Oh, y'all and myself a lot more than that BS today. That was Sunday. And then Lamar put up a picture of himself. And then with the caption, get back in that lab. So yep. they are moving on. And after this episode, so are we. It's going to be all bangles, getting a bad taste out of our mouth with Browns, moving on. That's all you can do. Shout out to two of our returning patrons. These guys are supporting everything we're building here inside the channel through Patreon this month, and we appreciate them. So Tibor Potter, Bryson Herb, thank you both for believing in what we're building here in Baltimore and beyond. If you're interested in doing the same, visit patreon.com forward slash Ravens Vault Podcast to learn more about what we're offering. All of that information can be found in the show notes below. So like we said, it's going to be a dual episode kind of day. Jay Morrison for an official game preview on a short week. Coming up later this afternoon, we will have a Wednesday morning vault and then, of course, will we have a Thursday morning? Yeah, we'll probably have a Thursday morning vault. Uh, will we? Probably. We got to talk about logistical yeah. stuff. But clearly, we will have a full game day for Thursday. I'm going to be at BMAR Around Town for the pregame show around 6 o'clock. And then Sarah and I will kick things off in late night fashion for the first time this year. And there's going to be a couple of them down the stretch here. So brace yourself for a little Thursday night with us. We're looking forward to it. Thank you so much for the support. And as always, uh, game time as well for being the episode sponsor here inside the vault. So for my co-host and partner, Sarah Ellison, I'm Bobby Trossett signing off from this Tuesday morning vault. We'll catch up with you later this afternoon.